Well, our, um, our speaker tonight, you're in for a treat. He doesn't need an introduction. He's part of our staff. He's a buddy of mine. He's our family ministries pastor. It's Ryan Joyner. Um, he's pinch hitting tonight for, yeah, for Pastor Kirk. And to our first Wednesday crowd, I'm going to let you in on a little good news. Pastor wanted me to share it this Sunday. I'm going to let you in on it tonight because he already said I could say it. But Pastor Kirk is going to be back in the pulpit September 25th. And I know we're all looking forward to that as well. But tonight, one more time, would you put your hands together and welcome Pastor Ryan Joyner. Thanks, Brett. I am honored to serve Pastor Kirk in this way, and my thoughts and prayers are continually with him and Bradley and Lauren. I hope yours are as well. You know, normally on a Wednesday night, I'm up with our middle schoolers, so this is going to be a little different. Y'all are already sitting up in your seats, upright, and uh, you are looking at me and listening to me. So this is already an improvement, and I am pumped about it. But I, I have been in student ministry for almost 15 years now, so you better believe we're going to have fun. So we're going to start with a game that uh, I think all of you are probably familiar with. Y'all know this little game right here called Monopoly. Yes, yes, yes. You dread it, you hate it, it's broken up families. Yes, yes, yes. Who likes it? Who likes this game of Monopoly? All right, all right, all right. Could I, could I get you up here? Would you come up and per- play this game with me for just a second? Would you mind? Yeah, yeah, come on, come on, come on, come on. Give it up for her as she comes up. That's awesome, that's awesome. I promise we won't play this whole game. Everyone would get bored and leave and we'd be here till midnight. Yeah, the stairs are right there. It's perfect, come on up. So we aren't gonna really play the whole game, but I do have an offer for you. I do have an option. In my hand right here, I have a $1 bill, okay? I got a $1 bill and I will give you that $1 bill. By the way, I'm Ryan. Raquel, nice to meet you. Raquel, so glad. Y'all say, hey, Raquel. $1, you can have that. Or I will give you $100 dollars. One or 100. Uh Which one are you going to take? This is easy. This is easy. Okay, hold on. Hold on. (laughs) Let me up the ante. Okay. I will add to it. Oh, yes. $1,100 or one dollar. Do you know that with this, you can buy boardwalk? I mean, you can put like a house on it. You can, you can set up dominantly. You said you like playing this game, right? Or you can go to the dollar store and get a plastic basket of some kind. $1,100 or $1. Well, if we're playing the game, I want to play money. But if the game is going to be over, then I'll go to the dollar store. You choose. All right, I'm going to choose the dollar. She chooses the dollar. Give it up for Raquel. Thank you so much for playing my game. You can go back to your seat. That's it. That's it. That's it. Raquel taught us an extremely valuable lesson right there. I don't know if you even realized it, but here's the, le- here's the lesson. Your definition of real determines your choices in life. She knew this game it's not real. She knew the monopoly money is just, 
just fake, but there was something real about that money, so she decided to take that. Your definition of real determines your decisions in life. And so many people that live around us and so many of us live our lives like heaven and hell are not real. Even if we believe it in our heads, it's real. We're going about our lives, spending all of our time earning monopoly money, building houses and hotels and getting properties that are the truth at the end of the game, it's just folded up and put back in the box. Each of us truly at the end of our lives are folded up and put back in the box. And Jesus said it plainly in Matthew 6, 19 through 21. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You see, the truth I wanna teach you tonight is that heaven and hell and what is after this life is so real. It's more real than anything that we can see and touch here on this earth. It's more long-term and it's time that we start living like it. It's time that we start following Paul's advice in 2 Corinthians 4.18. So fix your eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Because what's seen is temporary, it's monopoly money. But what is unseen is eternal. So let me just straight up ask you, ask myself, are we living like heaven is real? Are you living like heaven is real. I want us to just take a moment tonight and sit in the thought of heaven. There's so much about heaven that in our finite human mind, we just, we can't comprehend, we can't understand. But throughout scripture, time after time, God inspires the writers to just for a moment pull back the curtain and let us get a sneak peek of what heaven is like. And I want us to just Look at those scriptures and sit in the thought of heaven for a moment. So you gotta get your creative juices going. If it takes you closing your eyes or just tuning in or writing down the scriptural references I give, whatever it takes, tune in and just imagine yourself for a moment walking into that heavenly city. And just as Revelation 21, 15 through 21 described, each step you take is upon streets of gold that are clear as glass. And you begin to realize that you've walked past gates that are covered in pearls, in jewels, in sapphires and gems beyond your imagination, making it abundantly clear that the great wealth of the earth is nothing but construction equipment in heaven. Uh, and you catch a glimpse of your hands and it begins to make you see your brand new body made by God himself. As 2 Corinthians 5, 1 tells us, all 
weakness and ailments and conditions and pains and scars, limitations and every bit of morality that your body once carried are no more. You're running free. You're strong as ever. The curse of sin is completely broken as promised in Revelation 22, 3. It's gone. There isn't even a word for death because it just doesn't exist anymore. You look inwardly and discover that you're overwhelmed with feelings of joy, of love, satisfaction, acceptance, peace, where there used to be feelings of anxiety and stress and loneliness and shame. It's all replaced, just as Revelation 21, 4 told us it would. The sin curse is not just removed from you. It's removed from everything around you, everything from thorn weeds to hurricanes and tornadoes. They're no more. It's clear that Jesus's prayer in Matthew 21, uh, Matthew 6, 10 has been answered and everything and everyone completely follows the will of God to the T. There is complete absence of lies, of lust, of hatred, of abuse, of violence, and all of the things that stood opposed to God's glory done away with. No one even longs to resist what God wants for them. We're just all doing God's perfect will. What a paradise your mind begins to process on a higher level and you realize you know God's will. Those questions that you determined you were gonna ask God when you saw him in person, you suddenly, you just know the answer. It's just clear, you just, and even if you don't know the answer, you're like, I don't, I don't even care anymore. I don't, it's not important. <laughs> it's not important in any way because once, once you enter that, you determine you, you know the answers. 1 Corinthians 13, 12 was extremely right. Once you saw like through a mirror that was fogged up, but now, now you see so clearly right in front of your face, right in front of your face. You don't have questions in your mind. You only have answers. Time becomes like a non-factor because 2 Peter 3, 18 was perfectly right in that with God, a thousand years is like a day. And a day is like a thousand years. So in a blink of an eye, everyone that trusted and believed in Christ is caught up together in the clouds, in heaven, with you there. I'm telling you, we're gonna have a feast. First Thessalonians 4, 7 and Matthew 8, 11, Jesus predicted we're gonna have a feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And it's gonna be so fun to meet them. And if we're gonna recognize those men of old, you better believe we're gonna recognize those that we have seen and known before. And it's gonna be like tears of joy welling down our face as we get to hug everyone that has gone before us that love the Lord, children that were lost in childbirth, grandparents that have gone before us, friends, loved ones, and not just those from the past, those from the future, great-grandkids that ended up trusting in the Lord. They are getting to greet and hug and high-five and celebrate a beautiful reunion, just an un 
unforgettable, unending moment of elation and affection that is yours for the keeping. And looking up, you see that you and your loved ones, you're not alone. In fact, as Revelation 4, 8, John saw, and now you see, mixed in among you, daunting, massive beings of light with six wings and eyes all over, angels that in scripture over and over had to introduce themselves by saying, fear not, because they were big and scary. And there they are right in front of you, but they're not impressed with themselves. No, they are looking to God Almighty in utter amazement, and they can't help themselves but just bow their massive heads and cry out night and day as we just sang, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And their song, it doesn't stop because the moment they get done with it, they see God from a different angle and they're blown away yet again and they have to start their chorus all over because he is so holy and so good. Oh, and then your eyes turn from the angels and you begin to see the one they're worshiping. And there he stands, unexplainable, king of kings, Lord of lords, the one who was, who is, and who will forever be the beginning and the end, the source of all that is good, the one who literally is holding this entire paradise and everything together. There he stands. Oh, exactly as described in Revelation 4 2. His presence is so real and overwhelming. There's no need for a temple. You are literally in the holy of holies. Revelation says there's no need for even a son because he replaces everything that is provided by the sun. Think about that. The light that it provides, showing us the way, revealing the truth he provides. The, the gravity that holds all things together, getting it spinning in motion. He provides the, the light and the warmth that allow everything to grow and produce life. It's there, the consistency of always being present over and over. He's there, he replaces it all. Revelation 21, verses 22 and 23, in 1 John 3, 2 said it would be that way. And you see, you see Jesus as the creator, the ruler, the savior and sustainer of all, the triune God right there, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he has made his dwelling in his home with you. Oh my goodness, it's gonna be incredible. And then directly in front of you, the judgment seat, where God sits. And Paul described rightly in 2 Corinthians 5.10, stepping forward, you give an account for everything you've done in your short temporary life, both good and bad. But instead of seeing your sin and your shame which you thought you were just gonna sit in and be condemned by. Instead, he sees the blood shed on the cross 
for the forgiveness of your sins, paying the price for all of your mistakes. And because of his boundless grace, he accepts you as his very own child. And he uses the words that Jesus used in the parable that he told in Matthew 25, 21. Welcome, my good and faithful servant. What a moment it'll be. And you, be, he hands out to you the rewards of all of your good works, which you felt like were nothing and all the times that you suffered and were persecuted in his namesake. He hands you this and, and you're looking at him and you're looking at these crowns that he's handed to you and you think, this is not to be relished in. This is not to be bragged about. This is more fit to be placed at the feet of my king and you place it there just as the 24 elders did and we just sang about in Revelation 4.10 and the praises of God, they never end. They just get more exuberant. They get more excited. They get more ridiculous as you go time after time. Every being and every person there wants nothing more and nothing less than just to shout his praises, to sing of his honor, of his glory, of his goodness, of his just amazingness. Oh, what a place it will be. Can we give God praise for the heaven that is awaiting those who love him? It's gonna be so incredible. I really think we're gonna get there and just be like, what was I even doing down there? <laughs> This is insane. Why did I not think about this more? This is unreal good. You've been this way the whole time? It's gonna be incredible. And as we get ourselves accustomed to the thought that needs to set in, that that place is real, if we're gonna live like that place is real and let it inform our decisions, then we need to answer a very important question how do I get in, <laughs> right? Like, how do I get there? I, I wanna go to that place. And the answer to that question that I have tonight, it's limited, it's flawed, just like I think every answer we could give today because Jesus has made it simple. You can't overcomplicate it because he made it so easy and yet you can't oversimplify it because there's so much depth to that question. How do I get to heaven? But my answer, like I said, it's flawed, it's weak, but here it is. You get to heaven by loving and trusting in Jesus alone, in word and in deed. Jesus said in John 14, six, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. Not just life here. Yeah, life here, life abundant here. That's what he said he came to give, but also life ever after. No one comes to the Father, he says. And y'all, the Father lives in heaven. So no one comes to heaven except through me. It's through Jesus. Loving and trusting in him alone, in word and deed. Now, I wanna, I wanna point out what this, what this means because there's, there's a lot here on what Jesus is saying in John 14, six. This means that fearing hell 
and the consequences of our mistakes is not the way into heaven. If all you have is a fear-based relationship with Jesus, then you don't really have a relationship with Jesus, not a loving relationship with Jesus, because let me tell you, a loving relationship with Jesus casts out all fear, and he gives you his Holy Spirit, which gives you a sense of complete freedom. So it's not about being scared of hell. Heaven is not for people who are scared of hell. The fear of hell is never enough to get you into heaven. It's simply gonna motivate you to try to earn your way into heaven. And scripture is clear. No one can earn their way into heaven so that they can boast about what they've done. Not even any amount of good works that you could ever do would outweigh even one stance of opposition and one act of defiance against the one and only holy God. You do the one thing. It's as if you've done all the things. Going to church and being a good person and treating others better than you treat yourself and even helping the needy does not get you into heaven. Heaven is not for good people because the truth is there's a lot of good people that are not gonna be welcomed into heaven because they don't know They don't know Jesus. Jesus makes it clear in his parable in Matthew 25 that there are still deeds involved. Like I said, it's, it's simple. Jesus made it simple, and yet it's also deep and complex. Because, yeah, heaven is not for good people. Being good doesn't get you into heaven. But Jesus told us in this parable in Matthew 25 that the sheep, those who take care of the needy and the hungry and the poor, they're welcomed into heaven. And the goats, those who ignored the hungry and the needy and the poor, they're cast away unto hell. So deeds are still a part of the final judgment of who's accepted into heaven and who is cursed to hell forever. But the reason for the good deeds is paramount. It's extremely important. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. It's just a response. It's an expression of trust. God rewards command following when it's done in response to his love, seeking to express trust in God, humbly acted out. And he rejects command following that's in response to fear, seeking to earn salvation, to earn approval and applause and acceptance. What I'm saying is that heaven is for people who love and trust in Jesus alone, in word and in deed. I mean, just think about it. If if 100% of heaven is just centered on God, and what we do there is love and worship and obey Jesus forever, then it just makes sense that that's the way we get in as well. Now, to, to, to just be real and transparent with you, I remember when I first was young and I was hearing about heaven, I really liked the bit about being rewarded for my good deeds and streets of gold and getting to see my loved ones and maybe a big old meal. That sounded great, you know? 
and there was a song, you know, about a big, big house with lots and lots of room, and, you know, there was a football field, and y'all remember that song? And I was all about that. Um, but, but the bit about worshiping God at all times and completely obeying his will and seeing him face to face, I wasn't so high on that. When I was young, it was almost like, I was like, yeah, 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 God, I'm, I'm cool with you making much of me uh, forever and giving me comfort forever. That sounds great, but I'm not sure I wanna make much of you forever. Like I remember being in elementary school and after bedtime, not being able to sleep and just running to my dad. My dad's here tonight, running to him in tears and just being like, God, dad, I'm scared of hell, but I'm also scared of heaven. Like, I get bored after three songs of worship at church, Dad. How am I going to do this forever? And honestly, the idea of seeing this all-powerful God face-to-face intimidated me, shook me to the core. And I was just kind of like, I'm not, I'm not sure I'm, I'm ready for that. Truthfully, I probably would have been okay with heaven without Jesus there. You know, and if you find yourself in that same kind of thought process, like, hey, God, I want to go to heaven, but maybe I'll have a few kids first. Maybe I'd love to see my grandkids a little bit. Like, I'm not sure I'm ready. Maybe If you're there, like, I, I get it. I've been there. But I got to tell you, I've also grown in my relationship with the Lord. And I've gotten to see the way he works in the lives of students in our student ministry and growing on mission trips and seeing the way he saves souls and, and frees people from addictions. And I've, I've seen him forgive me and, and, and show me so much grace and kindness. And I've encountered him by reading his word and talking to him, both at church and, and at my bedside just in my room, and I'm telling you over and over and over, just when I think I know him, he shows me something even greater about himself. Just when I think I understand his grace and his kindness, man, he shows it to me in a whole nother way, and I just see how weak I am and how incredible he is over and over. Just when I think life is too hard and too difficult, man, he shows up in that moment of my need, in that moment of my hurt, and overwhelms me with peace, and grace, and if you're struggling to understand the kind of grace and peace and love and joy that comes from God that I'm describing to you, then I wanna challenge you. Prepare yourself for heaven by taking time to invest in your relationship with Jesus. Now listen, don't walk away from here and be like, Pastor Ryan's so right, I need to get my life right, I need to stop sinning, I need to fix myself so I can go to heaven. No, 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 no. Good works don't get you into heaven. Instead, get to know the Savior. Fall in love with him. Maybe, maybe turn your prayers from constantly being, God, forgive me, and God, help me, to God, show me your glory. God, let me know you for who you really are. Show me what you're up to today and just let me get a part of it. Just take time at home by yourself to just talk to him and read his word and come and 
Let loose and worship up in this place and get really deep in his word and come hear the truths we have and get in a life group and get on a serving team here at North and maybe join us for the Outreach October coming up. Men, come to the men's event on the 16th and get connected. Like, let's, let's get all up in. Go on a mission trip, one of the short-term mission trips with our missionaries and see what God is up to all over the world. You don't have to do it all. Just do something that grows your relationship with the Lord. And the more you get to know God, I'm telling you, the more that you're gonna look forward to spending eternity with him. At some point, you're gonna be like, you know what? Forget the crowns, forget the glory, forget the appreciation. I just want him. I just want his presence. I just wanna know him. Paul the apostle got this. In Philippians 1, 23, he said, I desire to depart. He's like, I'm okay with dying. To be with Christ. Not not so that finally I can be comfortable and no one is persecuting me. No, he could have said that. Not, not so that I can finally be rewarded for all the good works I've done, and he did a lot of good works. No, he said, I desire to depart to be with Christ, which is better by far. Is that your heart? Is that where you're at? That's where we gotta be. Because listen, we have no right to accept the good things that God has to give us and stiff arm who he is. We don't have any right to do that. That would be like me telling my wife like, hey babe, thanks for uh, working. Could you catch some more hours and work a little bit more and buy me a new car and fill it with gas and cover the insurance so I can drive away and never see you again? Like that would break her heart. Mine too. But that was break her heart. And let me tell you, that's what we do to God when we're like, God, answer this prayer and help me with this, but I'm not sure I'm ready to spend forever with you. We gotta get our hearts right like Paul did. If you find yourself today thinking, thanks so much, God, for the offer of perfect eternity forever, but I'm just not sure I'm ready to spend it with you, then, then you're not ready for heaven. Because heaven is not for people who are scared of hell. And heaven is not for good people. Heaven is for people who love and trust in Jesus alone, in word and deed, and long to spend eternity with him. So if you wanna be ready for heaven, then it's time to take some time just getting to know him taking time to read his word and worship him and discover. And it's time to stop spending all of our effort and time just earning temporary things of this world that in the end are just gonna be folded up. It's time to use that stuff to accomplish his will on earth as it is in heaven and bring heaven to earth here now. So please, I'm begging you, start living like heaven is real because it is. If you would, just bow your heads and close your eyes. Nothing magical about that. Just a moment for you to focus. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Where are you at? Maybe you're here tonight and you don't know. You don't know Christ. As I was describing that 
If you're just living a fear-based relationship, you thought, ah, that's kind of me. I'm just doing these things so that I can get in. I don't really know him. If that's you and you wanna know him, you wanna know his grace, you wanna know the freedom that his Holy Spirit gives, then I wanna challenge you to tell him. Just tell him right here, right now, that you wanna accept his salvation. He's ready to hear from you. Say something like this in your own head, in your own way. Just say, dear Jesus, come on, he wants to hear from you. Dear Jesus, I believe you are so much more than a man or a prophet. You are God. And I did things that you asked me not to do. I've sinned against you. But I believe you died on a cross and you rose from the dead to forgive me of those sins and you're the only one who can. So please, Father, forgive me of my sins. Make me right with you. I want heaven to be my home. I want to spend forever with you. And with every head bowed and eyes still closed, if you're in this room and you know Jesus, you've found his salvation, but tonight you need to grow your personal love relationship with him. You've been putting him on the back burner. You've been focusing on all your effort on monopoly earning stuff, temporary things. You've been focusing on the flesh, on the things of this world. And you need to grow your personal love relationship with God and you wanna do that. If that's you tonight, I wanna encourage you. After I pray in just a moment, make your way to the altar. Our prayer team is gonna come up front and they'd be happy to meet with you and pray you closer to Christ. If you want to just gather by yourself up front, there's nothing magical about this altar space, but there is something about letting your body inform your spirit what you want from the Lord and standing up and moving forward and saying, I wanna draw close to you, Lord. I'm not close enough. I need your presence. I wanna be ready for heaven and stand up and moving closer to him and letting someone agree with you and pray with you for that. So if that's you, at the end of my prayer, I wanna encourage you to stand up and come forward and they're gonna sing and you can worship here, you can pray here, just come and meet with God. Father, we come to you tonight so incredibly blessed that you would go before us and prepare a place for us. It's something we don't even come close to deserving. But we thank you so much, not just for a mansion or for crowns. Those mean nothing in comparison to you. And we're not gonna waste another minute, another second on the things of this world or the comforts that we hope for in eternity. We're gonna focus on the comfort giver, on the peace giver, on the love giver. We're gonna focus on you and you alone and we're gonna draw close to you tonight. God, make this altar a place where you come and you meet with us. Where two or more are gathered in your name, you are there. God, when we lift up your praises, you draw all men unto you. So come and draw us close to you and let us meet with you tonight and let us know you fully and completely in this place. God, we pray this and we invite you here. Come meet with us in this altar and in this room and even online where we're gathering and watching. In your name we pray, amen. If you want to, come forward. Let's sing his praises and meet with him. Lord, I come. 
Sing this together, Lord, I need you.
we need you, Lord, we need you. Oh, one more time, sing that chorus, Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. My one defense, my righteousness. Amen. Are you thankful for what the Lord has done tonight? Yeah, I am. I loved, I loved that litany of scriptures Pastor Ryan walked us through. Like in my mind, I could just start to just see and imagine what it's going to be. And, and, and we haven't even scratched the surface, right? No mind is seen. No eye, no eye is seen. No mind has even conceived what God has prepared for us. I know he's still praying, but would you thank Pastor Ryan for bringing God's word to us tonight? He mentioned a couple things. I'm going to mention those as well. This Saturday, a second Saturday prayer right here in the worship center at 8 a.m. Come pray for our nation, pray for our church, pray for our community, upcoming ministry things. We'll have a whole prayer list, and we'll spend some time together. And, and if, you, if you need prayer on Saturday as well, we'll be happy to, to pray with you then. Men, next Friday night is our Act Like Men uh, event here. Pastor Steve Holt from Colorado Springs is going to be here. Uh, there's free food, there's axe throwing, all, all kinds of like macho stuff. You can wear a flannel unless it's really hot. But it's going to be fun. My son Ty and I are coming. Talk to several guys who are, who are coming. It should be fun. But that's next Friday night. We just need to register, have you register online so we can prepare food for that. But that's for our men, Second Saturday Prayer. Um, Pastor Kirk back on the 25th. I think that's all I need to announce tonight. All right. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you, to be gracious unto you and grant you peace in Jesus' name. Let's give a response from Psalm 19. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. You're dismissed. Have a great night.